Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. You're I'm khaki? khaki, yes, I am. I'm Kay. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking, he's about to say that he's khaki, isn't he? And this is the story so far, Skate. That's the one that I am. I'm khaki. Hello. <laughs> Hi, khaki. I'm Kay. Oh, my God. Guys, 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 we're finally here. It's the start of Infinite Possibilities, Season 3, Episode 14, Part 1 of Infinite Possibilities, Deadless Demands. Let's have a quick look. Um, yeah, I'm, by I'm looking for them as well. The Derp Prime. Yes, excellent. We have an old friend with dire warnings, an old acquaintance with catastrophic tech, an old evil with a dangerous alliance, an old internal struggle with lethal stakes. There's nothing new under Bada... Dumbada Sun. Thank, oh, that was, thank you, Jenna. Sorry, I got that wrong. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jenna. And then the Derp Prime has Grand Adventure Tales leading to... I don't know if... Dot, dot, dot. Yes, okay. I guess well, that's like the cliffhanger. Yep, yeah, let's... I okay. mean, maybe maybe they sent in another another second one. We'll find that out oh, in a second. Yes. Uh, Blackshirt John meets back up with Jack and is told that there is someone using a copy of Farscape 1 to try and traverse wormholes. So Talon and crew head to furloughs. While there, they must decide how to deal with those trying to steal the technology from furloughs. Thank you, Billy Roberts. Daedalus Demands has every... Okay, I'm going to do this in a, in a, in a voice. Daedalus Demands has everything. Epic action, both of the pew-pew and vavavroom variety. A godlike alien, a familiar mechanic, pint-sized gunner, bountiful brand new bonafide baddies, and an amusement park. What goes around comes around in this spicy romp through the desert. Oh, the places Crichton's lips will go. Thank you, Matthew B. <laughs> and welcome to Furlough's Repair and Module Shop. Do a, do a voice, oh. okay? Um, oh, dear. Come um, on. Yeah, yeah, hang on. Welcome to Furlough's Repair and Module Shop, yeah. where we can fix anything for a price, except for food cubes. If you have something that needs fixing, we can do it better. Yet, come on in and trade it for something better. Hot off the shop room racks a new module with a super experimental wormhole drive. This baby was so hot, both the scammers and the peacekeepers want it. Come back before it gets shut up, blown up, or better yet sold. Come on down, and with each module, I only got the one of throwing apart sun goggles. Thank you, Black Rain. <laughs> Okay, you make me so happy. Mind-reading aliens return, as does someone with lots of mottos. <laughs> Who's excited for the return of her favourite flyboy and the half-blind lead the blind. Thank you, Lucy. Wormholes, Harvey and Johnny Boy. It's the return of the greatest love triangle. Who will wine and dine and win this roller coaster of this ride? Or will they just run home crying to daddy? Thank you, Vixter. Ooh, I think that's a new submitter. Yes, I think it hey, is. Hey, Vixter. Uh, and lastly, from Horsebird or Hersebird or Hoofbird, we keep accidentally, or I accidentally keep renaming them, I'm not right. entirely sure. Nothing like working on the car with your dad under the hot summer sun. Oh, capitalism threatens to kill everybody. Three people have to make do with one working eye. And Rigel makes a bid for scariest person by weight on oh, talent. <laughs> oh, this was like... I remember this episode, and like like many like multi-parters, mm -hmm. I struggle to remember which bits happen in which. Which episode, yes. Yeah, because I remember the whole story, and I was just sitting here riveted. It is a rollicking adventure. It feels like a big setup, though. I mean, if I have anything bad to say about it, it kind of feels like a long setup for the next episode. I kind of feel where you're coming from. Because, like, there's a lot of action spectacle, yep. 
right? I'm sure that if I actually look like the, at the transcript of this episode, it's quite short. It's not a very talky one. There's not a lot of dialogue. So, no. I mean, there clearly a lot of budget went into filming in location. is isn't oh. cheap and lots of extras, lots of explosions. But also a lot of empty action. Empty as in, yeah, it... Oh, I don't know if I'm with you on that. I get what you mean. Yeah. Like, it's not advancing the plot. It's not It's not introducing new information. But it is just a hell of an experience. Oh, absolutely. And I kind of... So, Dave Elsie was... Before we, before we even get into the episode, mm-hmm. so this introduces the Charids. Yes. Which kind of look like repurposed alien suits, uh, predator suits. Oh, interesting. I yes. Mean, with the long, with the dreadlocky type uh, head, head yeah. extensions and the shape of their heads and, and the everything. sort of silvery masks yeah. things. But then underneath they look like orcs. Oh, yes. From the Lord of the do. Rings. Yeah, they do a bit. Yeah. Which Dave Elsie says that he hadn't seen Lord of the Rings at the time. So okay. that was a yeah. happy coincidence. They put these big teeth in. But he, he also said, like, initially the script called for a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of uh, Scarrens. Mm-hmm. which take a certain amount of time to make. Oh, yes, I can imagine that. And so, like, the producers said, well, let's let's introduce a new alien then, and that'll, we'll just do a makeup, and that'll be cheaper. And, like, he was very diplomatic in the uh, uh, Creatures of Farscape book, but he talks about, well, I can make this armature for an for a animatronic face that lasts the whole series, or we can make a cheaper makeup, but that has to be remade for every, every day. Yes. And so, ultimately, it kind of works out... The same, the same cost. Cost, yes, but maybe not the same development time. Development time might be it. Yeah. yeah. Application time didn't make much difference between the Scarron and the and, and a chariot, but I guess yeah. they did have the helmets. And yet, this was all about just scale, which we haven't had. I don't think mid-season before. No, I guess not. No, the, I mean there was like loads of shots of uh, these uh, Charons being uh, shot up, uh, mostly by Rigel. Yeah. God, those extras. They must have been worked to death. Just, okay, and now all of you run over this hill, and now all of you come through this door, because there was probably like, I don't know, 12, 15? Probably something like that, yeah. That's about the number, I think. Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, you can just, just like, the shots where they're coming up over the dunes. Yeah, exactly. That's probably, that's probably all of them. All of them. Yeah, and then you, do, you have them do it again on a different dune, and then if you cut it right, yep. it makes it look like you have twice as many. Uh, it's like the cavalry charge in, I think it was Return of the King, where during the actor's commentary, mm-hmm. I think it was like Merry and Pippin, those actors were commenting on like just a staggering number of horses. I mean, look at that. There were at least 12. Yeah, 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 definitely. 12 <laughs> at least. So they probably had at least 12. Actually, do you remember for Star Trek First Contact? Oh, um, I think so, yes. Uh, it was the Star Trek film with the Next Generation crew and the uh, Earth is invaded by the Borg. Oh, yeah. They had six suits. Borg and they suits. made them, yeah, and uh, they made them work. Yeah, I mean, the, th- the good thing with Borg is that you can just like stick some other bits on, and then it's a completely different Borg. Yeah, exactly. The downside is, I mean, you have a couple of Borg, you're hungry again two hours later. <laughs> okay, let's dive in. We open with an unexpected previously on. Yes, a big, sort of glanced- big montage. I saw you glancing at me, sort of, are you sure you put the right episode Yes, on? that's kind of how it felt, because we go very far back. I mean, we see furlough. The furball. To fellow. Uh, follows. Something like that. Furlough. And we see uh, Jack, as in the alien Jack, not uh, his yep. actual father. And we, we get a little bit refreshed on what happened back around then. Uh, yes, this was very early in season one, Till the Blood Runs Clear, where... On the way to a mechanic on a particular planet, John just happens to spot a wormhole out the out the window. Yeah. That's a wormhole. And interestingly, 
This was before he meets the Ancients. Yes. He wouldn't meet the Ancients for another four or five episodes. Oh, no, no. And so, like, what's what's about to happen is really kind of remarkable. Uh, because shows Furlow's brilliance, I suppose. Right? Yeah. I was so happy to see her again. I remember the first time that this that, that I saw this, and I, and I was completely blown away by... She's back. Uh, she was, like, my favorite... She was she was an amazing character. Wild mechanic. Just couldn't stay away from me, huh? After the montage, we have John and Aaron having some cuddle time together. Yes, they're spending a lot of time with each other's bathing suits areas. Yes. I mean, what's she, what's she, what are they doing? Is she trying to read something? Or is he t- teaching her English or something like that? What's going on? Very good. Gum. Gum. Do the next one. No. Son. 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 And somehow, despite translator microbes, she's able to start learning another language. Yeah. I guess it doesn't prevent you from doing so. Which, I guess, maybe the, like the translator microbes don't help you hear somebody else's speech, like it seems to do on screen, but just understand yeah. it. Maybe, maybe you still like hear the sounds. A little babelfishy-like action going, interacting with the brainwaves and all that. But yes, John gets distracted from the English lesson, and then he gets distracted from his distraction by a uh, wormhole which appears outside the window. Holy mother. Because he's been talking about something that he's been feeling for a while now, Mm -hmm. like a homing beacon. And apparently he's talked to Erin about it. Yeah. And she asks him whether it's Scorpius, and he's pretty emphatic that he knows it's not Scorpius. Scorpius feels different. But so he's been searching for the source of this beacon, even postulating that it might be the ancients. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, another window, another wormhole out the window, another earth on the other side. I thought it was cool that Talon and Kreis are apparently in conclave. That doesn't make sense. Yes, Talon. Appearances of the contrary. This planet seems to have no mass. It must be an illusion. Which apparently Moya didn't register when it happened. Maybe she just just didn't communicate. Maybe Moya knew that, like, oh, it's a wormhole, so of course I wouldn't be able to sense anything on the other side of it. Oh, Uh, yeah. Or maybe it's one of those extremely lightweight planets. Rigel is less enthused because he goes like, oh, here we go again. (laughs) Not again, he (laughs) Oh, no, not again. Have you seen this before? Unfortunately, yes, and so is Crichton. He identifies it completely. Wormhole and Earth. Oh, yeah, this is a rubbish planet. I'm going to get dissected again, aren't I? <laughs> or, no, I don't know why he's so upset. Last time he got... Margils, Crichton! Lovely Hynerian Margils! Margils! <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> They've treated us like royalty here! <laughs> we should um, be enthusiastic. And I'm sitting here like, oh, why, why do these wormholes keep always popping up near where uh, John is? But then it turns out that, no, it's Jack the alien visiting, and I suppose he calls in the wormhole, despite he saying that, like, they were, the aliens were only able to use it once, and, like, before they ran out of power. But That was an actual real... That was, like, a company move. The right. actual move to a new planet would have taken all their power. Apparently, it's much easier to create a fake wormhole and a fake planet. Okay. Yeah. I guess. After the uh, credits, we, he has a little uh, one-on-one with uh, John in his mind. What the heck is this? Our last encounter left a residual link between our minds. I summoned you with it. Right, got it. Make your point. Interrogates him. Not, yeah. not very harshly, but he's definitely like giving him the uh, cross-examination. Yeah, because the alien Jack, the ancient Jack, I should say, yeah. is extremely disappointed in him. Uh, explaining that we thought we knew who you were. We thought we did an, uh, like a good thing when we gave you this yeah. wormhole knowledge. And you have abused it. We gave you a gift. 
you misused it. Because we've seen your module being flown by, and then he shows him an image of this squat, threatening-looking creature mm. with uh, a, a very sort of oily skin and black eyes and big teeth. It's a fantastic design. And he, John goes like, no idea what you're talking about, mate. It's amazing how this sort of looks like unity. You know, oh, unity? You know what the, yes, what, uh, what Zan was able to do. She did a unity thing. Oh, I see what you mean, yes. So it's a blue background, people's faces are lit, they're sort of fading in and out. out over each other. I mean, it kind of makes sense if, if it's direct mind-to-mind contact, which, yeah, right? which is what's going on. You're a mind-reading alien. Like my dad, don't you know when I'm speaking the truth? I can only penetrate your mind this deep. Bummer. Even that is interrupted by another mind-to-mind contact. Yes. What the hell? Sorry, but I need your attention. And we only have a few moments. Harvey comes uh, barreling in on a little uh, bumper car. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Originally, this was going to be like on a on a river near Homebush Bay, but the uh, I think it was either the writer or the director. I think it was the director. Yes, Peter Andrikidis. He decided that that was, in his words, boring, and so suggested, "What about we do it at the fanfare?" Yeah, just rent off the bumper cars and uh, like shoot some uh, footage of Harvey and John driving around there. Basically, Darvey is trying to sow the seed of doubt in John's mind about not trusting uh, Jack. Yeah. That false father image will terminate us both if he learns of my existence. I mean, is he already fearing for himself here, or is it... I mean, I can't really imagine it's from a genuine concern. No, I think you're, I think you're quite right. His, his entire interest is about... Like, don't mention me. Yes. Because if you mention me, then he'll become over-focused on that. And And I might might get kicked out, yeah. Yeah, there's no need for that, right? But the brief conversation with him does allow him to uh, remember who else has access to the knowledge and who could have made a copy of his module. Yeah. And uh, in his mind's eye, we see Furlow. Furlow. Elementary. Either that or you're covering your ass. Oh, and they I go like, oh, so okay. Uh, Jack seems to accept this as face value. Go like, yeah, okay, we'll roll with that for now. We have a working hypothesis, which doesn't make yeah. John the guilty party. So I'll, I'll give him the, he gives him the benefit of the doubt, basically. Furlough. The mechanic? Yeah. From Dambada? That's the one. So why don't you go bug her? We may have misjudged you. I hope we did. Which is kind of his style. No, like we haven't yeah. known him to like super overreact. I mean, yes, create an entire fake planet and yeah. uh, put someone through gruesome, but also being very like empathetic and actually kind of trusting. Yeah, you know, gifting him with all this knowledge, which, as as he explains, was locked behind, you know, deep in his unconscious, where he wouldn't be able to reach it no, himself. No, it was meant to help guide him along, but not actually be readily accessible to him. Because it was important that he figures it out on his own. Yeah. Has Rigel got another makeover? Oh. He seems to be like a little bit more glossy, deep green. Uh, I don't know. He looks... It's possible. It's possible that it's just different lighting. And his eyebrows are fantastically groomed. They also seem to be a little bit more expressive than they were before. So mm. I was wondering about... Yeah, well, to my an- knowledge, the uh, the armature hasn't been upgraded. I'm sure that mm. the uh, the creatures of Facebook would have... Uh, or, or the visual companion would have mentioned that if it was the, it was the right. case. But, but periodically... Get they- a little bit of a an, an fresh coat of airbrush or something like that. Or just an entirely new skin because uh, the, uh, yeah. uh, like the latex... There's some wear and tear. And so yeah, of course. Or they wash it, which I've seen once, which is just horrifying because, I mean, he retains a lot of his shape as a, as a latex cast, right? Yeah. 
and so to see him being sort of dragged by his by his underparts out of the water and then wrung through a ringer <laughs> and just to squeeze all the water out of the latex and just oh my poor boy my poor boy <laughs> <laughs> He's an aquatic creature. He's probably quite flexible. Um, Through a ringer, though. <laughs> and then hung up on pegs, which were undignified for a dog. Well, of 600 billion. Okay, so with his trust restored... Um, we have a little walk and talk. Jack shows the image of the pilot of this duplicate module to the rest of the crew, and we see Rigel just blanching. Mm-hmm. Now he doesn't seem to tell anyone on the command, but he's uh, he's ranting to uh, to Stark. It was a charred Stark, a frilling charred. Yes, and Ooh. apparently they invaded the Hynerian Empire about thousands cycles ago. Yeah, and only at great cost uh, to everyone. I mean, they killed a million and they ate a hundred thousand babies. They killed a billion of my people, ate a million of our young. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Well, that was off by an order of magnitude. So. Yeah. Rightful. And then, yes, they managed to finally drive them off by suicide bombers, although it is kind of like hinted at the fact, or at least questioned whether or not all those suicide bombers were volunteers or not. Yeah. Yeah. Who and, knows? And it doesn't seem to bother Rigel in the slightest whether they are or not. Even He sort of dodged the question. Yeah, yeah he did a bit. But there's worse news, uh, because Crace comes in saying that uh, latest intelligence reports suggest that the Charids and the Scarans have an alliance. Yeah, where did these uh, reports come from? Do they still have some sort of... Yeah, it's probably that thing. I mean, Kreis did say that uh, uh, Talon was designed with intelligence-gathering facilities. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He liberated files from... Uh, Listening in on Peacekeeper uh, data nets or something like that. Oh, yeah, very likely. Yes, John and Aaron have a little heart-to-heart where they're, I mean, like, they're, he actually says, like, oh, yeah, we got to talk because, you know, I don't want to go home on my own. And He's very specific in his wording, and yes. so is she. You didn't think I plan on going home alone, did you? I haven't been thinking about it. I wouldn't want to do that, to go back alone. I wouldn't want you to. Yeah. But leaving, so are we both staying or, <laughs> or both, are we going, both going? Or what are we... I like that they've reached the, the, the point where he can say, you know, we need to talk about that. And she can she can say, yeah, sometime, yeah. not right now. We. And it's not avoidance. It's just prioritization. No, very true. Uh, there's one other thing that I noticed, which is kind of cute, where Crace uh, is uh, giving instructions to Talon. Talon. Talon is making these cute little sounds where it's like, uh, like of oh, agreement. Yeah. and uh, Yeah, he's making like, happy boops. Yeah, it's like boop. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite our two levels of uh, empathy, right. but he's definitely making sounds which are like affirmative or uh, yeah, stuff Dad. like that. Yeah. All right, all right, Dad. <laughs> oh, don't they look great together, John yes. and Aaron, with their guns and their and their black coats through these hallways? Yes, oh. and then they have a little kiss, and then everybody gets ski goggles. Now, here's something I don't get. Yeah. Why is everyone on the transport? Why is Talon left completely unmanned? Uh, ooh, yes, good point. Is Chris actually down with them at this point? Yep. Okay. And so is Rigel and Stark. Yeah. Like, nobody's staying behind, and I don't understand why. It's it's just not addressed. No, it makes little sense. Also, okay, now, now that we're on that subject as well. So this star is doing its solar flare thing, which... Yes. Um, That's what they need the goggles for. Right, and, it, and, and this is why... Crace at several points in the show tells Talon to get in the shadow of the planet. Mm-hmm. Flare activity from this star could damage your systems. Wimigon, 
Get into the planet's shadow and shut down all exterior systems you can. Stay in shadow! Don't expose your senses to the intensity of the solar flare! Tell her the flare is imminent! Shut down your senses! Get deeper into the planet's shadow! Because apparently, Talon, who can sit in the corona of a star, is negatively affected by a solar flare, which is billions of kilometers further away from any star than... Yeah? Yeah. Hey, it's a spacey wacy, isn't it? Yeah, very spacey wacy. <laughs> yet, a, yet hey, even well, yet a human be yet a human being is just like fine with just a pair of goggles. Like you know, like this this starship spaceship which can uh-huh. sit in the sun yeah. has its sensors affected. It doesn't have sensor covers or anything or like you know some go- goggles. But but yeah, for humans, just a pair of like he's just a baby. He doesn't goggles. know how to squint yet. <laughs> yeah, right. He hasn't <laughs> learned squinting. Oh, and every star is not the same. Maybe maybe Mukwillis star was pretty cool. And, yeah. And and, and dim or but even then it would still be i mean if it if it was like so cool and dim that it puts out less power when you're sitting in its corona than another star is doing at planetary distances it still would be no well it's a power thing see i don't i don't know exactly which part of a star solar flares come from are they like they're kind of burps which come up out of the uh, right, out of the like so it would be like the emission of magma on the on the Earth, right? And magma yeah. as a substance is pretty much unlike any other substance that you'd normally find on the surface. Right. So, would it be possible that the mass that's ejected during a solar flare, coronal mass suggestion, yeah, is it always a coronal mass suggestion? Is it from the corona, or does it come from deeper? Because if it hmm. came from deeper, then it would be higher energy. I mean, the right, like the surface of but our sun, again, I but to know, was five thousand six hundred degrees Kelvin. Yeah. Which is not very hot on a on a galactic scale. No, it's pretty cool, certainly compared to the interior, which is much hotter. Oh yeah, I mean that's those are fusion temperatures. But by the time it gets burped out, then it immediately starts cooling down, of course. And by the time it reaches a planet, it'll have. I mean, there's a big iron storm at that point, but the, right. there's no like real heat or anything. Which okay, so you're just against it. You're just fundamentally. I'm just like you know. Yeah. Okay. Weak, weak science, but you know, it's a it's a sci-fi show. And it's Farscape. And it's Farscape. So yes, they get to the planet, and it looks even more desolate than. It did last time, although this time it has water on its surface, which is not really explained. It's like we have at least burning solar flares, and the planet is like, and we have water on the surface now. Well, okay, so for practical reasons, it was filmed in a different place than yeah. previously because those sets had been dismantled and destroyed yeah. and uh, two seasons ago. It looks like they filmed it on the beach rather than on the desert, but I don't know that that's the case. It is a it is dunes. Mm-hmm. Well, dunes, beach. Yeah. Well, there's dunes yeah. in the desert too. Yeah. But it might have been during rainy season. There might have been puddles uh, yeah, left over, like, right? Yeah, yeah, there's that Australia thing going on. Exactly. Of it's not a it's not a climate that we're familiar with from uh, from day to day. But uh, as they're approaching uh, Furlow's uh, home base, they get shot at a little bit, and the aliens start assaulting them for the first time. Get down! Take cover! Big shootout. I. St- Staggering number Very, of, yeah. uh, like, just the body count of, of chariots is incredible. Yeah, for these, like, fierce warriors, of which they apparently are, they get taken out on pretty easily. Yeah, I, I mean, they just love charging. They just love charging and barreling straight down toward, true, true. toward their adversaries. Talon wants to help, despite everybody's pleas for him to stop. He knows we're in trouble and he's coming back to help us! Well, Talon to stop! He refuses! So Crace is distracted trying to keep... 
Talon from approaching. But the boy wants to help too badly. He comes in for a strafing run, and it takes out a good number of the charids. Okay, so hang on for a second, because like, if I look at the Jeeves, and it seems mm-hmm. like that Stark, Rigel, and Jack are still on board Talon. No, they're on board the transport. Oh, yes, on the transport. Yeah, I get course. where you're coming yeah. from. No, I see what you mean. So the yeah. transport has landed, and yeah. Crace, no, Aaron, and, and John have left, and they're, and they're running out. In fact, I think that was when Ben Browder pulled a hamstring. Oh. And to his eh, credits, I don't think it's the wise thing to do. He kept running until the director yelled cut. Mm-hmm. But then he had to go and visit the local doctor for some uh, for some treatment. Yeah. Which, I don't know what the treatment is for a pulled hamstring. I mean, Ooh. examination to see if any damage has been done. And if yeah. It's, if probably, it's just a, probably painkillers, maybe some muscle relaxants, and uh, keep your weight off it for a while, I suppose. Yeah. Which is like, I'm an actor, I have to walk around. It's like, it's difficult. I guess mostly to check whether it's actually been... You know, injured, right. or yeah. if it's just or if it's, uh, if, it's over- if it's sprained, or uh, if there's actual more damage. And so the local doctor asks, "So uh, how did it happen?" And he said, "Yeah, I was running across the dune with a with a gun and a hand grenade." <laughs> Why were you running? Yeah, no, there was this alien base that I had to overtake. Conquer, yeah. <laughs> and he thought that they would have explained what he did for a living. And <laughs> so this, this doctor was halfway toward calling the loony bin. But no, I'm an actor. I'm an actor. Oh, okay. Still keeping the speed dial ready just in case. <laughs> but yes, they uh, infiltrate the base and shoot more of the uh, aliens. And when they get to the center of the lair, they find a good old furrow. Furlough, tied yes. up. And Cat, she's... Catty as always. I love it. She's fantastic. Well, well, well. If it isn't my favorite flyboy. Magda Zubanski, what a, what a treat. Yeah, I mean, we could go blow by blow describing this infiltration, which I thought was genuinely brilliant, like, and, and, and really well conveyed, the sort oh, of yeah, it was spatial a, logic. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the first they go in, and then they run down some stairs in some sort of industrial facility, and it, yeah, it gives, it gives you a very good feeling of what the place is like. That's like a radio diorama. Just, yeah. It's, it's so worthwhile. But, of course, at this point, Talon's strafing run yeah. took place at the same time as one of these flares, and now Talon is blinded, and therefore, yes. Also, Crace is blinded. Yes, uh, this is where uh, Aaron goes and digs the hand of friendship out of his neck. And he's still left blind, yeah. nonetheless. Oh, it must be like neural overload. Yeah. And it'll have to wear off for a bit. And so Stark is going to take him back to the transport pod. Mm-hmm. Let me see, is that right? Or he's going to go to the transport pod on his own? Anyway, Stark's got him, and Rigel and Stark and Crace are going back to Talon. He said, help me, you idiot! Not charm me over to the other side! Furlough is freed, and immediately more of the aliens attack. She puts her big wrench to good use bashing a few of them in. But on John's insistence, they leave one of them alive so he can be interrogated. Yeah. And this is where we get the first really good look at uh, the makeup and what this alien looks like. It's fantastic. It looks, it looks gorgeous. It's th- so threatening and menacing. Oh, did you bring a sister? One of you would be enough to pleasure us. Oh, oh God, we will yes. eat you tonight. And, oh. My grandma, what big teeth you have? We'll feast on you tonight and tomorrow, all your families. Yeah. You can have our pets for breakfast. That's some smack talk. A lot of pompous uh, bullshit, yes, absolutely. And then we get, like, John and Furlough. I guess this is his, her idea of flirting. Yeah. You ripped off all my data. You know, you're going to have to let that go, Johnny. Right, because she, she even grabs him and smooches him. Thanks for the rescue. 
And he goes like, ew. <laughs> she's, got, she's had eyes for him, like, from day one, I think. Yeah, yeah, those eyes of hers, God. She likes her favorite little fly boy. He questions her on a few things, such as rebuilding her, his module. Yeah, she's extremely proud of that. I'm yeah, uh, yeah, I made a copy. I got a good scan of it the second time you came in, and I used the data, and I made the stabilization module, and I've gone through a wormhole four times. And not just a wormhole. A proto-wormhole. Unstable as all flits. Didn't even muss my hair. Which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, she is really good at this. Right? She invented on her own something that Scorpius and his whole team at the Gamak base, like, he was able to get, like, purity exemptions for all of these aliens just because of their expertise, and they couldn't crack it. No. After how many pilots got turned into soup? What's that device? Phase stabilizer. Allows travel through any wormhole. Technology only a few could duplicate. And after two or what cycles, or how long has it been since they were here? Probably two or three cycles at this point. Thereabouts? Uh, yeah, several cycles. And she just cracked it with the data that she got off him from his test runs. And he goes like, oh. The last time I was here, you said there weren't going to be any solar flares for 4.8 cycles. I lied. You lied. Yeah, I figured it'd keep you away for a while so I could... Work in peace. It's like, I wanted you away for here. <laughs> I love that explanation yeah. so, so much. Because he was so sad when he handed over his wormhole data, his little mm. tape that he somehow expected her to be able to read. I mean, if she can build wormhole tech, she can figure out how a bloody tape recorder works. So the crew is separated, and a new plan sort of needs to be formed. Jack is really impressed with this uh, uh, phase stabilizer. Yeah. Primitive. Underpowered. It's only a prototype, you wellnuts. The underlying technology sound. You bet your frangle it is. He's like, wow, you figured this out on your own? But they need to form like a plan of attack. And honestly, I don't really have that clear in my mind anymore. I've got a lot of notes written written down. Mm -hmm. Let me see what I've got here. I've got the face stabilizer. Yeah, okay, Jack, chariots. The plan has been sterilized. Goggles. Talent strafing run. Oh wow! I made a, I made a lot of notes. Oh yeah, they tortured furlough, but she's tougher than she uh, than she yeah, seems. Yeah, she managed to withhold the information that they were after. Yeah, she's still trying to sell the the wormhole tech. Yeah, at this she point, she wants to, to sell them. it to anybody. And why should I let you destroy it? Give me one reason why I ought to let you. Can I give you two? We just saved your life and this gun. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough, enough, almost fair enough. <laughs> Speaking of torture, um, oh, yes. Rigel moves wow. in on our captive alien. Who boasts about Jared's superior resistance to pain. But fortunately, uh, or unfortunately for him, Rigel knows something a little bit about their knives. It's like this weird little... Okay, now I've finally realized what it looks like. It looks like a, a really big seam a little seam knife yes it's one of those things that you one of those so little one of those cutting seam pins yeah that yeah. you used to undo a sewn seam with that's exactly it <laughs> but then again but then a bit bigger yeah well it looks everything looks bigger in, in when Rigel holds it true but even then a uh, but yeah apparently it contains neural circuits that inflict ten times the normal pain designed to be effective even against your own kind <sighs> A very unpleasant death. Like, Rigel's got a mad look in his eyes. He, he is going for it. Team Rigel had a very good time with this episode. <laughs> well, we get to hold a knife and torture someone? 
And yeah. he gets a gun. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, that's like... Opportunity knocks. You think a Hynerian could ever frighten me? Oh, I'm not here to frighten you. No, 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 no. Then what? Shortly they find that uh, the torture session went a little bit too far and that Rigel killed him. Yes, but not before he was able to extract some information from this chariot. Which is where we learned that the uh, Scarrans and the chariots have joined forces. Isn't that oh, true? no, we learned that earlier, oh, okay. uh, because Quaist knew that. What we learn is that the Scarrans are arriving in a dreadnought that yes. is going to be there in six arms. And then we see, like, a glimpse of this gigantic spaceship, yeah. which uh, Aaron says is twice the size of a command carrier. Yeah, they wouldn't even notice it, yeah. Even Talon... Yeah, it has nothing to fear from Talon, which is, considering what Talon's been able to do, terrifying. So, do you know where the term dreadnought comes from? I mean, I've never heard it. I just sort of figured it doesn't afraid of anything. Right, it took me ages. I mean, I I knew the term for years and years and years before I made that uh, connection. But it comes from the first uh, time that the uh, British had an ironclad. Uh, Oh. They basically... uh, Built a now for uh, for the listeners. I mean, I know of course, but for the listeners of home who don't know, what's an ironclad? It's when they started putting iron on ships. They they had sail ships ironcladding literally on okay. on ships. Yes, and they started getting their uh, the steamships in, and that's when they started uh, doing the Royal Navy uh, upgrade. Oh. And then they realized that I mean, up to, up until then, the British had a doctrine where their navy was supposed to be bigger than the two other biggest navies combined. So that they could always fight two opponents at the same to time. To one, okay, to, yeah, uh, the, and still the, be and still be outnumber them. Principle of mass, yeah, right. Then they built a dreadnought, and then they realized that a dreadnought uh, could probably defeat a hundred ships, just because it doesn't take damage. Just because it doesn't take damage, therefore yeah. making basically the entire British fleet obsolete. And at that point, the other countries realized, like, hang on, okay, we don't have to match the entire British fleet anymore. We just have to match them dreadnought for dreadnought. Yeah. Completely upsetting the power balance. Oh, <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, that went on for a while, that sort of arms race, mm-hmm. which I think... Okay, I'm probably going to get corrected on this, but like to my 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 limited understanding of military history, the Spanish perfected it with the Armada. Like that was but that was more tactics, yeah. Well, and sheer scale also. Oh yes, of course. Which was overcome, I believe, by a clock. Ah yes, it's when they finally managed to get the uh, latitude timing, uh, sorry, longitude timing uh, correct. Yeah, the English managed to develop a clock that was capable of withstanding sea travel and maintaining accuracy. Yep. So now they could not only like pinpoint their position very, very carefully, but they could also do like timing maneuvers that that made use of like the horizon. They could go over the horizon and say like, "We'll meet again at that location in." Two hours' time. Yeah, this ship will head in that direction until, oh, the Armada spots it. It will turn around. The Armada will chase it. And then up to here, this is where you come over the horizon. You'll be under the sun at that time, so they won't see you for about five kilometers or whatever. And then you'll broadside them. Brilliant. (laughs) If that is indeed how it went, apologies to those who Something along those lines. Close enough. What can you see? Damage, damage, damage. Whatever would I do without your verbal gift? Are you on more words? Well, the conduits are damaged, bulkheads damaged, external sensors damaged too. There is nothing that is not damaged, least of all you. I can see. If only you could think. Stark is helping Krace to sort of uh, uh, assess the damage on Talon by mm-hmm. by saying, damage, 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 damage. Oh. <laughs> 
Yes. At least I can see. Yes, if only you could think. think. Well, this is damaged, that is damaged. <laughs> the banter is so good. Guides him to the panel, tries to get things going. It's really nice because he, he wants to take over sort of manual stabilization control for Talon. Yes. So the Talon can focus on just relaxing and healing. A yes, bit. the blind really leading like the blind, well, being led by the half-blind. Which is, in the I kingdom guess, of the blind, the yes, one-eyed man is king, literally... King, yes. <laughs> or in this case, Stark. Better, better. I could find my way on my own ship. Aaron gives Rigel a job. Yes. He sh- the, the gun that was shooting them earlier is now damaged. Uh, automatic fire control is offline, but Aaron goes like... That's your reload, that's your aim, and this is your fire. Goodbye. Have fun. <laughs> but, 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 and he complains and... And, and, and he uh, fires it and he goes like, e, I like. <laughs> and this is where she asks, like, how many of those were, were volunteers? Yes. And he talks about Rigel the Ninth, who went into the battle, which he thinks is incredibly stupid because Dominars are worth too much. But he kind of gets it. Now he gets the feeling of like, oh, this is kind of fun. I love it when he sort of pulls himself together and is motivated out of pride to do something that's actually useful to other people. <laughs> yes, I suppose so. Because, I mean, he's also motivated to do things that are not useful for other people. No. Uh, speaking of guns, we get a good look at uh, Furlough's gun, which I, it's like a three-barreled triangular thing, but the barrels aren't evenly spaced. I know. I it really frustrated me because she pulls this gun on John and Jack. Jack. It sort of looks like a shotgun, but yeah, like the front piece is a triangle with three cylinders in it, and they're not they're not sort of aligned, and it really irks me. I mean, it would have been more excusable if they didn't all have had the same diameter. Yes. If they like if the if the offset one would have been smaller or bigger, then I would have been like Exactly. Exactly. But no, there's I, I don't understand why that asymmetry. So I was so upset by this that I wasn't really paying paying attention <laughs> and I don't fully remember how they talk her down. But Jack puts his hand well, on, the, on the gun. Basically talk her down by uh, Jack showing his true colors to her. Oh, yeah. And uh, like she, she's, so- she's still going like, I want to sell this, I want to sell it. And Jack's going like, no, can't do that. And like, why would I listen to you? And he goes like, well, I'm an alien. My given name is... Speaking of Elwood's and I, so she wrote me, I suppose you're a promotion. Uh, I mean, everybody's an alien in Fire Escape, but I'm a, like an ancient. Yeah. And, and she doesn't know what the ancients are. Talk to me, Johnny. Who is that, Thado? He's one of the last remaining members of an ancient alien race and knows all about wormholes. Mm-hmm. But apparently she's shocked at someone who has, oh, tentacles and uh, a slightly different body type than other people yeah, do. Yeah, which is peculiar. Exactly. Like, oh, she has maybe, met Rigel, may, I guess. Maybe, she, maybe she's more impressed by the, oh, the, the, shape, the shape-shifting ability. or the, uh, yeah, the appearance changing. I mean, that seems like a much more rare ability than having a tentacle head. Fair enough. Or maybe she would just assume that he's holding a bunch of Freslin. Yeah. Since that can change your appearance and other people give you oh, an aura morph. Yes, there's that too. And she's hoping to become friends with him so that he can hook her up with... Freslin supply. The good yeah, shit. I can yeah. imagine that. If you can afford it. They set charges on the module, and uh, Aaron makes sure to put an extra bomb charge on the tubes. I knew you were so upset by that. I wasn't upset. I thought it was just hilarious. It's just this stack of tubes, and she puts a charge into one of the... The bigger ones, yeah. Hey, isn't that kind of a good idea? Well, it depends on what the tubes are used for. No, not so much for for that, but, like, compression. Oh, it'll direct the charge out front and back. Yeah. But, like to to, to yeah. sort of create more focused destruction in a little bit. Some directions. I mean, essentially, what would happen if you did that? Like, assuming that the tube would hold, you basically get 
half a charge on either side of the tube. Yeah. So, you know. But I guess almost like pressure lensing, because yeah, I imagine that... it doesn't that work it... like that. So doesn't it? No, the, essentially the effect would be for if, if you have a tube and you have in the center of the tube, there's a charge, and assuming that the tube is like is, yeah. is, is perfect material-wise and it doesn't deform and it doesn't do anything, then the effect of that charge in the middle of that hollow tube would be exactly the same as the effect of two charges of half that size stuck to the ends of a solid tube of the same diameter. Right, so you would have, instead of one spherical pressure wave, you would have two, two hemispherical he- weapons, right. pressure yeah, waves. pretty much. Is that entirely correct, though? Like, pretty much. there be I mean, it's like, a not, focused stream in the middle, or...? Not really, because no, like, basically it, like, it, it stays focused as long as it stays in the tube, but the moment it comes out of the tube, it just it goes every which way. Yeah, fair enough. It's kind of like the t- uh, twin slit experiment. Like, you know, you, s- you shine light at a slit like that, and that, that, that slit becomes a, source, a point source of light. And okay. the same same goes with pressure. Yeah, but that's that's waves, and this is actual no, matter. Shock, so shock wave, it's also shock waves. Mm. Yes, but it's. I mean, it's yes. It's not it's, the matter it's that does waves, the damage, but it's also air traveling. It's also just molecules with vectors. Mm, it's mostly pressure. Think waves. about this: like the explosive explodes, right? It's got yeah. it's got oxidized, it's got whatever. Yeah. And now there's a certain amount of matter moving at a certain speed down this tunnel. Yeah. Now let's say that I mean this was a relatively short pipe, so it would be a meter. But let's say it's a, it's a it's a ten meter, like a, mm-hmm. a like a gun barrel yeah. or, or or whatever. All of those molecules now have a vector that, and the and and the longer that the path is, mm-hmm. the greater the percentage of those molecules whose vector is parallel to the, because you know the the ones yeah. that are not parallel will bounce off the edge and bounce inward and will trend toward a vector that's parallel to the direction. I think it of the doesn't. Tube. I mean, you're. you're you're, you're of course right that they will move in that direction, but I don't think it's, it'll create much of a focused stream. I mean, any any shrapnel or anything caused by the bomb will, of course, attain a, a vector. But on, on a molecule well, scale, the moment it comes out of the pipe, it'll go flying every which way. I've got one more question for you yeah. as, a, as, a, as, a, as a person who knows about firearms. Yeah. Right? Now, we have done... Under safe circumstances, yeah. some photography involving firearms yeah. with automated cameras, just to like get a muzzle flash on there. Yeah. Right? I'm a photographer, and we did this in in safe, monitored circumstance because you're a trained educator. And the muzzle flash was not hemispherical. No, right? The muzzle flash is like a, a is like a sort of lozenge. Right now, if the the barrel on that weapon had been shorter. Mm-hmm. Would the muzzle flash have been the same shape, Ooh. or would it have been a wider cone? That's interesting. And conversely, yeah. this is where my intuition is coming right. from, because my intuition says that if it was shorter, it would have been a wider cone, mm-hmm. and if it was longer, it would have been a narrower cone. Same force. No, I see what you mean. I, I guess it's the same effect as when you're blowing through a straw. Uh, if you have a narrow straw, then you will be able to feel the pressure point from that air coming out at a, a lot of distance than if you have a long straw. Like, imagine the difference if you like mm. if you're... Right. Blowing air through a straw, then you'll you'll be able to feel it on your hand if you hold it like half a meter away from your, right, yes. from the end of the straw. If you do the same thing through a toilet roll, then you won't feel anything, or you'll feel a breeze. Yeah, okay, but then the diameter also changes, right? And yeah, that's the same thing with and that's the same thing with firearms. Length length doesn't make much of a difference. It's diameter. Huh. Wow, we have just spent a whole lot of our listeners' time on this thing that I just happen to be really interested in. I'm so sorry to everyone. Um, all right, back to the uh, story. Back to the acting, yes, because before they can set off any of these charges... Hackers get into Furlow's computer. Yeah. What's with your computer? Somebody's tapped in. 
Uh, it immediately starts flashing. It looks like a radiator that's lit up with some lights or anything. It's got blinky lights. It's got I those like blinking lichten, yes. Uh, Somehow, they can shut it down in time. But So they shoot it, and still Furlow seems to know that they got a lot of information. Yeah. I mean, she must have a data link or something. Maybe that's, that's what her thinking caps for. Really? <laughs> Isn't it just weird to have Jack walking around here in just a sport coat and a button-up? Yeah, but, you know... He's like an ancient, he's like, he can appear... He's the most alien one here. He can appear any way he likes. Um, but they presume that that's, uh, uh, that that's the Scarons who have hacked in, because the Charids don't have the intelligence to uh, to perform a, a, no. a, a feat of intelligence. But, but the Dreadnought, is it Scaron or Charit? The Dreadnought is Scaron. Oh, it is, okay. They've identified yeah, that. Yeah. I didn't quite catch that part, so which uh, which it was. Yeah, it was the, it was the Charids who intercepted... Furlow, while she was in orbit, she says that her base is so well defended that they wouldn't have been able to mm-hmm. get in otherwise. Yeah, because it's booby-trapped all over, and like minutes later, then there's another invasion, and they do get in. Bust through the so wall. She's not above up-talking herself a little bit on... God, really? Furlow? <laughs> really? Furlow can handle it. Everything's going to be just fine. That's my motto. I'll let them come if they dare. That's my motto. The woman of a thousand mottos, all of which are contradictory. I mean, even when she's bragging about the booby traps and Aaron asks her, are you sure? Problem. All the approaches are booby trapped and some of the automatic guns are still working. Some. Probably. 60% chance of recovery. Seven, 80 even. Can the structure withstand a mortar attack? Probably. 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 Yes. Oh, Frel. Because she knows what, what furloughs probably means. Yes. It's like, maybe, at best. Call it 50-50. I mean, 27 at a push. <laughs> oh, yes. That's where John fesses up to having Harvey in his head. Basically, yeah. John finally goes, like, to talks to Jack and says, like, I got something to tell you. I have a confession to make. Because Jack has asked him to help him turn this face stabilizer into a defensive weapon. Mm. To destroy the Dreadnought and the wormhole knowledge thereon to prevent it from, from falling into their hands. Because even Rigel is convinced by this. If the Charids had wormhole technology, they could just drop in. Pop in and out and attack and be gone again. Yep. I mean, just simply this mobility is a terrifying weapon. Oh, absolutely. Like, Mil- even... Military speaking, that would be like such a power. Yeah. <laughs> Roads that only you can use and you can make them go wherever you, wherever you want. Mm. And just attack and retreat and seize and whatever. Yep. And so, like, this is the strategy. They have to destroy that that dreadnought which contains this information, which is still coming because the the Scarons want to make sure that they don't have it. Yep. They're going to glass the planet even more than it's already been glassed. Oh yeah, good point. They did mention that it was sterilized before. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was the solar flares that sterilized it. Oh, I, I thought think. the implication was maybe the chariots. No, you're right. Yeah. Yes, furlough said. Solar flares got bigger than ever. Most everybody cleared out. How long have the Charids been here? I hired them for security. They even did the first test flights. Then a couple of solar days ago, the Blotchers double-crossed me. Killed all my techs. Tried to torture the secret out of me. Get the passwords to my computers, but uh, I'm tougher than they thought. Jack agrees to help John uh, get rid of Harvey. Yes, because John doesn't want this information unlocked in front of Harvey. And then... Before you rejoin them, John, we must speak. 
Harvey yes. pulls him into another little tete-a-tete. Yep. And they're in Coney Island. Coney Island, which features a beautiful view of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yes, I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about Rab- this. Rabbit Island, yeah. <laughs> this was filmed... Actually, John uh, Ben Browder and Wayne Pygram were two of the last people to ride that roller coaster before it was dismantled. And oh. I think the park was moved. Oh, okay. You know, something wow. that effect. Yeah, it was Wayne Pygram's first time on a roller coaster. Oh, he played it. I mean, that explains a few things. He acted it very well. It's like, he yeah. was like terrified. <laughs> yeah. And apparently after 15 takes, he's he's so soft-spoken. And after 15 takes, he started feeling a little bit funny. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, there was a garbage bin close oh, by. Oh, God. The poor fella. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's harsh. I hope that there's a, uh, not for uh, Wayne Pygram's sake, but I hope that there's a photo of something somewhere uh, of, of Scorpius puking into a bin. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, yeah, because he said he's not going to go down easy. He's not going to go down without a fight. You cannot be seriously considering my removal. Yes, I can. I've had time to acclimate myself to your brain, to permeate every facet of your mind. I will not go easily. He says, like, if I die, you die as well. I'm going to take you with me, and uh, I'm not letting go. I think we've lost the sort of continuity at this point, but that's okay, because... I mean. Another fight that's going on at the same time is Rigel having a royal party blasting away at the... <laughs> get up! Get up! Get up! Get up! <laughs> that's it! Keep running! <laughs> Whoa! I'll give you indigestion! Oh, and he's shooting at this dune buggy that he can't quite hit, which... Well, he's got it on the second try. <laughs> well, it wasn't exactly a hit so much as there was a big flash and, and the then guy we saw... jumped out, yeah. <laughs> It's an expensive thing. One of the, like, it's one of those Mad Max buggies. I really liked it. I mean, they probably it's Australia. They probably still had them lying around. He's having a whale of a time. Yes, this is this is when he brags about uh, uh, Rigel the Ninth, and he kind of gets it because it's a lot of fun. Hey, bring us some more ammo. Yeah, we're running low here. About time. You let two through. Two, but I turned at least twelve of them into sand stains. Aha! Here comes number thirteen. Ah! Oh, miscalculated the windage. <laughs> Second try! <laughs> Taste this blood sucker. We'll make a soldier out of you yet, Rigel. Well, don't think I'm going to make a habit of it. Aaron, give them a compliment. We'll make a soldier out of you yet. Yeah, well, don't get used to it. <laughs> uh, it's only when it, like, it motivates him, right? <laughs> yeah. John and Aaron have a, ooh, as it turns out, to be later almost prophetic little goodbye kiss before uh, Jack starts to dig into... Uh, John's brain. He like Jack goes like, "Oh, I can use what little brain power I have left to help you fight Harvey." Aaron asks, "Can you link minds? Can I help or something?" And, and she he says, like, "No, nope, none of that." I did like that. Aaron's son John already has your strength. Yes, that That's was a very really that was nice. a very nice touch. Yes, it's a good dad line as well. But things don't turn out well because even with the new ammo, Rigel finds himself overwhelmed. There's an explosion. There's a wound in pretty much the exact same place where Zalek stabbed him. Oh yes, he gets not, he gets a shard of something or the other stuck in him. Yep, bleeding green again, and the chariots are now arriving in full force. And in his mind palace, John is is thrown out of the, the roller coaster. The roller coaster. Yes, they, they're, they're they're dangling from it for a little bit. Harvey is clinging to his legs and manages to climb up, claw towards his face, snarling in his face until both of them fall off and drop through a wormhole. Yes, Fucking towards brilliant. Earth. Yes. Love it. And then John wakes up. 
That was a song. Oh, God. He morphs again into into that fantastic, horrifying visage of John as as Scorpius. Yes. Man, I love Ben Browder doing the, the Scorpius voice. What luscious lips. Fantastic. You're really sitting there wondering, hang on, is this like... Uh Who's playing who here? It's like, is it John? Is it Ben yeah. playing Scorpius or is it the other way around? Yeah. Oh, I, I, and Claudia Black's performance, like the tears in her eyes, the determination yes. gun to his head. I, oh, yeah. And at this point, I'm here like, okay, this could be. I mean, I made predictions about the fate of uh, Blackshirt John. Right. You know, and this could be the. You know, because there was a lot of more opening up between John and Aaron, like lots of like successful relationship development, which is death for a show like this, because you can't have that. You can't have them being happy together. Like, yes, the, so, it's all about the will they, won't they? And you can't ever have them together, no. can you? So like you can like hint at it, but then you have to break it down. And this would oh hello, what is it, baby? Oh. Her Majesty is experiencing the fourth sensation again. Your yes. your podcast, despite the fact that we fed her early. Yes, we specifically, she she got early dinner so that she wouldn't be shouty while we were recording this. We're still getting her evening aria. Well, that's okay. Yeah. You're very welcome on the on the show, Your Majesty. Come on here, baby. Yes? No? Okay. No, no it's no, just then. the useless meowing and wandering about with no plan. It's par for the course. To be continued. To be continued, yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Damn. Now, I did see you sort of looking at the clock toward the end of the episode. Right. Like, you knew that this was a two-parter because... You told me, yeah. Well, also because it shows up on the screen. Well, there's that, yeah. Right, the title card shows up. So it's Infinite Possibilities, part one, Daedalus Demands. So, And we did say at the beginning that it did felt a little bit padded here and there, you know, action padded in, in, in a good way. But it felt like this, this, the same story could have been told a lot quicker. Yes. Now, originally, this was sort of conceived as a one-part story. Yeah. But very, very early on, it was argued by the writer Carlton Eastlake... Yeah. Not a name we've heard before. This is the first uh, uh, yeah. episode that he's written for Farscape, although he was a Stuart producer, that this should be a two-parter just to let it breathe a bit more. And I guess to just have some more room for the for the action, like the the gunnery was pretty spectacular. Yeah. And fantastic gunfights and setting up this threat and giving all the characters some stuff to do. Like, I feel you. It it feel it felt like a lot of unnecessary action and mm. like even even Crace's blinding like it could have been done with a lot less but I like that they took the time and gave it the room to let it sort of simmer like what a what a danger they're in now because mm. I think we've had it f- a bit too often where we're really enjoying the story but the threat is something that we've been told like like Muquilis yeah you know and Sierjna and that siren star okay we sort of get it and we've we've been told that he's a threat to other leviathans but we haven't had enough of a time to sort of breathe and let that sink in and really feel where that threat's going yeah and i really felt it here no very true it also moves the scale up a bit on the uh, galactic uh, importance thing it's not just about moya and talon anymore it's like the whole peacekeeper scarron war is moving into a new phase yeah and not only do the peacekeepers need this wormhole technology to be able to stand up to the Scarrens? Now there's a threat that the Scarrens are actually going to get it. Yeah. Because, like, Scorpius is only a threat to Moya because Scorpius doesn't have the uh, the wormhole technology and it's on there And somewhere. honestly, yeah, Scorpius couldn't care less about Moya if the wormhole technology wasn't on Moya. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, they'd be, and they'd be fine. You know, they'd probably escape it. 
this is assuming that the peacekeepers are any less imperialist than the Scarens, but right. at least they're not known to be quite so genocidal. Then again, they did see the peaceful planet with enslaving yeah, plants. So. But they're, they're a little less, on a slightly more local scale, I suppose. Okay, we have got to talk about our willies and woodies. Okay. She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies. Okay. Uh, I'll start with the willies, I suppose. (laughs) That's Uh, been your modus operandi (laughs) for as long as I've known you, Kay. (laughs) I guess it has to go to the Charons being like these fierce fighters who seem to be fairly ineffectual against a standard (laughs) one fixed gun and some booby traps and a a bunch of uh, riffraff uh, from uh, Moya. Really? Did you hate? Okay. I didn't, but I have to pick something. I mean... No, I get you. I get you. I have the, I have the same difficulties. Like, ah, for Willie's, like, I'm sort of torn between the stupid pipe, which is, I right. struggle. I struggle <laughs> to find a, a, a way to, or maybe, like, the lack of logic, why everyone went down to the planet and Talon was left without a crew, yeah. which I don't understand why. I maybe, well, I mean, Grace has the uh, hand of uh, friendship uh, thing, so I guess right. it's just as good to control Talon when he's there. I mean, no, nobody had anything to do on Talon. It's not yeah. that, yeah, I mean, Talon is either autonomous or gets controlled by Fair enough. Grace. Uh, so, yeah, I guess yeah. it's not like Moya, who's defenseless, so it's good right. to have someone and on then board. There's po- and there's Pilot. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, Willie retracted. Gosh, if only. <laughs> Cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't, I, I really don't have anything. Yeah. Like, I thought these, maybe that the sort of gunfights on the dunes were not very spectacular for modern standards. Yeah, but, you know... Mm. But the interior show gunfights were fantastic. Yeah. And no, it was great. So, okay, I'm going to do the thing again where I sort of scroll through and oh. I pick just a random Jeef to be my willy. And it's going to be... Oh, no, it's Scorpius on the roller coaster. No, I love that. That yeah, can't be my willy. No, that can't be right. Okay, well, I'm going to scroll again. I'm, I mean, I'll this, just this, this never works. Why do you I do this? I know it doesn't work. I just, I'm just... I don't want to, the responsibility of choosing for myself. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's Stark, says the says the chief, and that's actually a good point. Stark has been really creepy toward Erin once again. Oh, uh, she hands him the goggles, and he thanks her. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, and even when she sends him back, or sends Crace back, Stark tells Rigel, "She likes me more than she likes you." Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if maybe like her it's not claiming. Not a very hard bar. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if maybe her claiming that Hosanna is speaking to me, through me yes. right now fanned the flames of whatever oh. creepy obsession I mean, he should he was... know that she was BSing it at the time. So weird. Man. Uh, no, true. I mean, he's not exactly stable. Okay, Woody's then. Let's have him. All right, my Woody goes to Furlough and her yeah. uh, and her and her choice of words. I mean, she has these amazing <laughs> things that she keeps calling everybody like Thados and Blutchers and Walnut. <laughs> You bet your frangle it is, you wellness. And that, like, yeah, that, that absolutely gets my yeah, Woody here. Oh, I love it. Then mine's going to go to, oh, it's going to be Rigel, but in particular, Team Rigel. Oh. Right? I mean, Rigel himself as a character, I love that he's sort of coming into his, uh, uh, he's showing himself as a dominar of action. 
fair enough. Torturing yeah. this Jared to death, which is not a great thing to do, of course, but in the context of the show and just showing what he's willing to do and his willingness to defend this. I know it's all coming from selfishness, uh-huh. but I just like seeing a dominar of action. And Team Rigel did such a good job. He on did. It. He was like, I mean, most of the time he's ineffectual unless he's wheeling and dealing, and even then it's questionable. But this time he like, yeah, he came through. He was like, he pulled his weight, even though it's not a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the story so far, Scape. Please join us next week for episode 3 or 15. No, actually, next week is... Yes, exactly. It's a, uh, more it's a- Tales of the Uncharted Territories. But the week after that, we will be doing episode 315, Icarus Abides, Infinite Possibilities, Part 2, where John is left to try to destroy the Scarron Dreadnought, but after some backstabbing, more tragedy occurs. Backstabbing? On Farscape? No. <laughs> You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at SoFarscape. SoFarscape.com is the website. And if you want to help chip in for our Patreon fund or uh, send us some excellent synopses, I could use some more for certain episodes of uh, Season 3. I think you can imagine which ones those are. Or if you want to suggest fan fiction. I think next time we're going to be actually reading some suggested fan fiction. So oh. keep it coming. You can find all those links at SoFarscape.com slash links. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so Farscape's so good. good.